so Sammy Lee gave me my nickname, um, and people have said down the years, where did that come from? And yeah, Sammy is pretty uh, innovative when it comes to, uh, to nicknames. I was christened the, nit, the whip, and um, so if I'm speaking to Kenny Dalgleish, uh, Graeme Souness in particular, Alan Hansen, they only know, but they never use my Christian name. I'm always whip, you know, that's, uh, and there are a number of lads who only know me as, lads who actually don't even play with, who never played with me, who came, followed on later on. I'm the, I'm the, yeah, I'm whip. So it's, uh, it's curious how these names sort of stick and people choose to call you what, you know, you have no say in how they're going to, what they're going to call you. But David, why the whip? What, where did that come from? That, that uh, was attributed to uh, one morning in particular in, in training when Sammy Lee sort of likened my kicking style to a whip, you know, without any backlift and was able to. And, and from that moment on, it, it was just sort of, I kind of remember the morning you first heard it. And then from then on in, yeah, just um, it just stuck. And, and years on, yeah, um, that's my... Nothing, uh, nothing salacious or really uh, extraordinary <laughs> about it. Just attributes to my football and style. And Dan's story next to you, a, a good friend and a massive red. Um, have you got many nicknames? The only one I ever had was uh, Bomber, which um, was just down to how I used to hit a hockey ball when I played hockey. And it was particularly hard, mm -hmm. which then uh, it sort of lost its momentum as I got a bit older. But um, So maybe it's more of a more gentle bomb <laughs> these days. I think, it's, I think it's relative to your build as well. You look like a bomber as well. Yeah. You, look like a, you look strong. He's a bomber fun, and that's for sure. Yeah, that's but good. Of all the nicknames uh, down the years with Liverpool players, which ones have stuck with you, Dan? I mean, I always struggle to get past whether it's a real name or not, and as to whether um, Shaggy is real. You know, we, we, it was always uh, talked about when we signed a certain player from from um, up the road, you know, for a set of kits, who then went on to be famously um, stupid as, as Shaggy, but I don't think he's that stupid, you know? And um, you know who I'm referring to, right? Uh, I think so, but I want to, just in case I, I don't want to embarrass anybody. Uh, Kenny Dalgleish had a curious one, and I don't think I'll be allowed to really probably say that, but yeah. it's sort of dogs, and you can add the rest to the... Because yeah. some people couldn't say Dalgleish properly uh, when he initially first... <laughs> and, he's, and that's stuck. And Kenny yeah. gets called dogs. So, Does uh, he? Yeah, he gets called dogs off. Some of the lads are like dogs, you know, rather than... Uh, Kenny, certainly not Sir. Anyway, we don't. Uh, we still all. Uh, it's it's strange how you know our old footballing um, lingo, you know, phraseology that we've used down the years. We we still very much um, use it on on match days when we get together we're, when we're sitting there having lunch and yeah. uh, you you can you know you can uh, often hear. Th Things that were, were that were talked about all those years ago, we we we, we still sort of it's part of our sort of our interactive uh, speech, and the nicknames are, are still very very as well as strong now as they were all those years ago. And what was the? Um, I mean, you had Elm, Emlyn with uh, Crazy Horse, and what would have what would that have been? Emlyn, Emlyn were, was M, yeah. you know, uh, much of the time. Yozza, yeah. you know, got a got yeah. a call. Nothing nothing too. Um, uh, too extraordinary with, with Emlyn. Um, you know, some of them are very simplistic. 
Um, but why the crazy horse for Emlyn then? I think I think that was I think that was one of those. Um, uh, uh, you know when, when it's like the super sub thing when yeah. newspapers yeah. they've run out of using sort of adjectives to describe yeah. his style. It was all very windmillish. When he was a young sort of when he first comes into the sixties team, Emlyn was all arms and legs and, and you know flailing arms and stuff like that. And you, uh, you know some people might have seen it down the years, but in the old days. Papers, magazines, uh, things like the shoes and stuff would get you to dress up as as various sort of um, characters, you know, fancy dress really. And the lads were open up to do all that type of thing. And one of those things that Emlyn was, you know, was attributed to Emlyn was the Indian headdress. And he wore, you know, he wore an Indian headdress, and and he and he became crazy horse. And um, and and yeah, and, and it's it's sort of, I think that's quite. Um, uh, I don't think that's a nice, that's a kind of a nice attribute to sort yeah. of, you know, I think it kind of, you, you get that idea of his style and his, you know, his attitude, you know, all action and, and very much, you know, powerful and all those things that you would think of a, you know, of a horse, you know, uh, strangely, that's my kind of little thing of it. But um, yeah, there was some very um, uh, less sort of, um, uh, What's the word? Uh, just I don't know. It's like less flattering. Less flattering. <laughs> sorry, yeah, I was, uh, less flattering names, and uh, and you you kind of fortunate if you've got one that kind of has been able to has carried, and uh, you know, and you and you're happy to live with. Yeah, because I mean, um, Alan Kennedy can't get away from his name. No, well, you you wouldn't if you were Alan, really, because he's uh, he plays that. Every day of his life, I think, you know. Alan, Alan was one who, who had so many nicknames, you know, amongst others, Bungalow Bill and, uh, and sort of, uh, you know, he had, he had a, the moon's a balloon and, and things that were attributed to. I mean, Alan has got a good handful. And kind of all, all the lads pick different ones for, for Alan. I mean, you know, uh, it could be Alge. And I mean, there was a, there was a famous cartoon character uh, with a slightly longer form of alge that he, he was given that wasn't a flattering one i don't think for for alan but um yeah he's, he's got a he's got a handful actually and then you have um oh by the way hello everyone for um thanks for listening to lfc talk at hotel tia we're just talking about nicknames before we get started it's it's a nice little warm-up and this is i just thought you can hear a little bit about what's going on in the background when we meet because we just talk and talk and have so much fun so i just let you be the fly on the wall there for a little while <laughs> my name is Rangenhill, um Lundansnes, which is a hopeless name living in england and you were actually there david when i got my nickname <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and remember it vividly. Um, I think um, we were all a little bit uh, tongue-tied when we were trying to uh, work out your your name. It was kind of what did she say her name was? And uh, obviously not being familiar with Norwegian pronunciation at that time, John Dernan, who was there, came up with the uh, the idea. Said, "Well, let's call it one nil. It sounds like one nil to me." So. <laughs> And that, and that is uh, that's not a bad uh, that's not a bad nickname to have, uh, to carry, and, it's, and it's lasted a few years. It's a victory, and it's three points. And now even my husband has saved my number under one nil, <laughs> and that's uh, how you find me on Twitter, <laughs> Mrs. One Nil. It's, it's as long as it's three points, I'm happy. Um, so let's roll on. the The transfer transfer window has closed, um, and we got a great signing there at the end, Dan. 
Tell us what you thought when, when you heard that we pinched a certain player in front of Tottenham. I think um, we're getting used to this now with Jürgen um, and his team. I think he seems to identify players quite early. We, we don't necessarily seem to know about them as, as openly as we once did. Um, as a player, he's, he's an extremely exciting looking player. Um, so I, I just think that I'm excited for the lad. Let's, let's look forward to getting him in the team. He looks like he'll fit in with the way we play. You know that there's a mix up front and to bring him alongside Jota, we're, we're sort of almost future-proofing now. And I think that's probably critical for this forward line, which have been quite remarkable, if I'm honest. What is it with him that makes him so exciting? And, and what is it with him that makes him fit the team? Well, for me, I think um, I like players that are brave at taking on a player, taking on a defender. And I think we've got that in Mane, we've got that in Salah. You know, and I think that you can see from, from this guy, he looks like he, he, that's what drives him. Facing goal, running at players. And I think that's, that's what's exciting for me. Yeah, it, you know, go along with everything that Dan said. Um, it's a really exciting signing. I think, um, as you point out, it's kind of un it was under the radar. Um, you know, Tot I'd seen talk of Tottenham being linked with him in the in the papers, and there was some there was a high valuation. Um, seemingly, Liverpool had asked to be alerted if anybody had had made a firm offer for him, and um, and we. You know, we, we, we jumped in. It was like, it was a fantastic signing. It's come from, you know, left field, so to speak. We didn't expect it. I think we were rumbling along thinking, well, Liverpool aren't going to sign anybody in the window. But it's a fantastic piece of business. He's one that's going to capture the imagination of the Liverpool fans. It gives us all a little bit of a, a boost on top of the fact of um, getting through to the Carabao Cup final. You know, everybody was high. This is a, a further high, um, a great addition. He's, he's a player that, fits that sort of idea that we how we attack with versatile uh, interchanging forwards he, he's very comfortable on either side with both feet um he loves to take players on which again we we love that style of player so can't wait to see uh, him live um did see that it did see him feature in the in the porto team i, I just think my thoughts are it may be that in Champions League, perhaps, um, Porto's approach didn't really sort of exhibit the best of him against us. So whether how many people really picked up on how good he is, I think Liverpool's style will, will only sort of give him a better platform, a better freedom. Um, I, think, I think he will look, the player that he looks in, in clips that you see of Porto playing at home, but not so much in European football, he, he's, he's probably the most exciting player at the moment in the Portuguese, well, was in the Portuguese league. Um, it, it's a fantastic, um, this it, is a, a fantastic addition. I watched him last week against um, uh, Peru in the in the World Cup qualifier. He didn't have the best of games, to be honest with you, but he showed glimpses of what he can do. And I think one reason for that, perhaps I thought, was I think Colombia are full of sort of players who want to sort of to have the ball. And, and, and I think in, in a Liverpool team, He'll get the ball in the right positions, and um, I think it's not not being sort of hypercritical of him of last week. But I don't think if anybody watched it, I don't think really saw what we'll will see as a Liverpool player. I think some some real uh, exciting times ahead. I think, and just in terms, I heard his nickname was uh, Noodle, and that's the him as <laughs> From a since a young boy, he was he was nicknamed Noodle because he was so thin. So uh, so that seems to have stuck. And uh, whether or not he uh, 
I think he likes her or not. I think he's. Uh, I think that uh, that that might find its way into into the Liverpool sort of uh, fans' minds. Well, there will be some uh, some good songs about noodles, and we haven't even mentioned his name yet. It's obviously uh, Lewis uh, that we're talking about here. Um, were you were you nervous? Um, before the African Cup of Nations, when both Salah and Mane was going away and we had to play for all this? Yeah, I mean, I think at the start of the season, it was in everyone's mind. I don't know many fans of Liverpool that weren't already earmarking the African Cup of Nations as a, as a concern. So I suppose coming into the January window, thankfully we had a good winter break. So it's taken a lot of pressure off um, and I think that Lewis can come into this team just to listen to what you're saying there, David. Is it, you know, we've we've made signings before when we've needed a forward desperately and the pressure's been on from the moment they've walked in. And it's not quite the case for this guy. So I'm hoping he's just going to get a nice transition through the team. So I think that's what's exciting as well. There's no pressure. It's not like we're bringing in Andy Carroll on the last day or... Someone like that to try and keep us in contention. We're firing on all cylinders. And I'm very much in the camp now. I want Salah and Mane to be playing against each other. We'll find out, I guess, later. I know that some people have wanted them home sooner. But look, you know, they're going to come back firing on all cylinders, pumped up. You know, it's yeah, a good place to be. I mean, being in a championship and, and doing so well, I mean, this is the second time consecutive consecutively that Mane has made it to the final in the Africa Cup of Nations. That's huge for Senegal and for him. Uh, don't you think with cups like that, that confident boost, you know, is, is incredible. And now with Salah also being so vital for Egypt and playing the semi-final tonight. Yeah, I think Mane, I mean, I'm a big uh, Sadio Mane fan. And I, there, there has been times when he's probably not looked you know, at his best in, in, recent, in recent months. Um, although I never underestimate him. He, he always, he tries, he never, he never gives in. And even if he's having an off day, he's always likely to turn in with a goal sort of late in the game. So, you know, I always give Mane a lot of credit. But I think this competition has been good for him because he, he seems like he's found a little bit of old Mane. And, um, you know, that maybe that atmosphere of being with his, his old pals that you know they're very much like a brotherhood the, the Senegalese players um it's kind of maybe a you know for want of a better expression a working holiday for him you know it's refreshed there's a lot of joy there a lot of laughing and smiling yeah. uh you might find that he come in, in particular comes back really full of beans and um uh obviously with the with the final to come at the weekend um if he's to win it then that gives him a boost so, you know, winning is a great, uh, a, you know, great frame of mind to be in. So, uh, yeah, really, um, like Dan said, I think there was a little bit of um, uh, anxiety about, you know, how, you know, they, they would come through this AFCON. Um, as, it hap as, you know, as it happens, it looks like, you know, fingers crossed, um, all goes well and they, and they, and they, um, and they do come back. Uh, all fit and well but um, it's been interesting watching uh, yeah. some of the AFCON games I wouldn't say they've been the best games but it's been interesting watching and also Dan it looks like um, Salah and, and Mane has been worshipped almost like the biggest stars of, of the tournament and that would bring a huge confident boost as well to feel not that you're only representing your country but you're actually like the star of a whole continent that would that would do something to you, don't you think? I mean, it's, it must be 
an outstanding privilege for these guys. I mean, you see their personalities off the pitch and what they do outside of it. They're, they're quite a humble uh, people, you know, both Salah and Mane. And I think to be able to go somewhere where you're not in the same bubble, completely different atmosphere, that's got to be a good thing, you know, for your own mindset and refreshing. You just you just pray they don't get get any injuries. That's that's That would be the one kicker for us, I think. Yeah, any more injuries because Monet did have a proper knock there. Yes. So we, we hope yeah. that there won't be any sort of dizziness and, yeah. and chronical headaches and stuff. Yeah, I uh, think I think it was just it was, a, it was a very valid point to, to say that I think they're the two biggest stars of of, of Afcon. They've been fated as you know the, the face of of, of mm. Afcon, and ultimately, you know, both having got through sort of very lesser stages. Uh, I think only enhances their reputation across the continent, which is um, a real feel-good factor for them. Yeah, and I think also on the back of uh, Salah not being appreciated uh, in the big (coughs) awards in in the world of football this year, as much as I think maybe a lot of us think he should have been, you know, with with the Ballon d'Or and and FIFA's ranking as well. Um, There's been some funny sort of overlooking Salah uh, this year, so I think this could be... Really, like a, a good comeback for him, hopefully. Um, because Premier League is tough. I mean, it's it's hard to be the superstar in Premier League, isn't it? So it's good to get your your ego massaged somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, um, and that that's not to undermine uh, you know his standing in, in in the Premier League because he is looked upon as maybe you know the top. Uh, the top man at the moment, in uh, or certainly you know one of, of a couple in in, in the Premier League, mm. uh, Salah. So um, I think to be amongst his own, you know, sort of continent, I think um, just will reinforce his self belief. We we're just talking about Luis Diaz there just then, and David, I'm really curious what it's like. And please be honest, you know, when you are in a team, you've gelled, you know, you know your mates, and you're happy with who you've got in the wardrobe. Um, you get a lot of playing time, and then a star comes in, a new person you have to integrate. Is that always nice, or is that sometimes a bit annoying? Well, if he's in your position, it could be a little bit annoying, but uh, <laughs> I think it's a good thing to, to refresh the dress room. Somebody new comes in, there's a, a different little vibe goes on, you know, who's going to be his mate in particular, you know, can spend some time with him, get to know him. I think I think it it, it, it sort of electrifies a dressing room, whether it's only one or you know two. I mean that was the way it happened in Liverpool. There was always one or two brought in in, in, in a summer. Um, and it's it's a good thing. It is definitely a, a good thing to to reinvigorate the group and um, the fact that he's so exciting, I think just adds to it. It really is a you know as uh, we've been we've been speaking over recent weeks, not thinking that Liverpool are going to do any business in in, in the window, um, you know, superb. It's I mean, it's excited the fans, it's excited yeah. everything around LFC at the moment is is great and, and upbeat. I was I was speaking to a big Man City um, fan yesterday, an author that was um, helping him with uh, collaborating with him on something. Um, they're looking over their shoulder at Liverpool, and and uh, you know, it, 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 I think that's I think that's that's great mm. from our point of view. We're, we're back in the fight, and you know, we're we're in for an exciting few months. I think four cups, four cups, and maybe the league. Um, Dan, we talked about this a little bit before the show. <coughs> how Klopp hasn't got many windows left. You know, yeah. we know that he's leaving in in 2024, um, unless he changes his mind. 
which he hardly ever has, well, he has never done before, so why would he do it now? But you never know. But if that's the case, you know, you want something out of every window because players do want to play for Klopp. Yeah, I mean, he's got that, that's his magic, isn't it? He, he's such a people's person. And I think he, he, the way he embraces and drives that in the team, it, it goes almost beyond the 11 on the pitch. You know, it goes, it goes it's insipid, isn't it? It's within the club everywhere. So I think Klopp's reach is, it, it's almost unseen. But we're going to miss him when he goes. And I think Klopp has always made the point of just getting the player he wants. And I think that's going back to Virgil van Dijk. He knew who he wanted. That was his main target and he just stuck to it. So whether we'll get dozens of players, which I don't anticipate anything like that, I think it'll just be pinpoint players where he sees that he can help grow and leave, leave a legacy, really. I think, I think there are key areas that, that we know need strengthening. Um, the squad has looked a little bit thin and will continue to look a little bit thin from now to the end. Uh, here and on, um, you know, how players qualify to be part of the 25. We, we are sort of operating on a, on a fairly narrow sort of uh, selection. Um, um, but the type of players that we've been linked to, I think really... Um, should excite Liverpool. Had the, had the Carvalho signing gone through, then I think that would have been another reason to be overjoyed because he looks tremendous, albeit in the championship, but he looks a fantastic mm-hmm. talent and one that you could see playing in a Liverpool team with the style of play. So I agree, you know, Jürgen is, is, is um, widely respected and people do want to play for him. It's a bit like the old, the old sort of um, reputation that was attributed to Liverpool that you, you'd never turn Liverpool down when they came calling and I think very very few people would not want to play for Jurgen Klopp so what we have at the moment we really need to make the most of because I don't want to preempt like uh, you know the thought of Jurgen leaving well I mean we, we you know you couldn't I don't think you can you, we can imagine what it what it it will be like it will happen one day hopefully it's not in 2024 i hope he does sort of have a rethink um but um, he's very special and um and, and he he makes liverpool you know apart from being attractive very very attractive but normally we do and jürgen gets the big signings um in the summer who do you we think is coming in the summer who will be that big name well, I, I mean, the big name. I don't think that tends to be us. Um, oh, you know, in, 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 uh, naturally, I think Van Dijk apart. You know, we, we've, we've been pretty, um, you know, we've been conservative how we've grown our team. And we don't go in for a hundred million player, you know, hundred million pound player like, like Manchester City do or, you know, is being muted for... Uh, Haaland and uh, Mbappe. Um, it, I mean, it would be exciting to get one of those type of players, but you know whether or not that is in the Liverpool sort of what brief to going forward. I think we're we're good at picking up these players around the you know the the thirty the forty million uh, price range. Uh, a little bit more, I know we, we we've done for a couple, but um, as a whole, I, I don't. I wouldn't say there's one big superstar out there. I think we're very very you know they're very. Um, they know they know the type of players that, that will fit into a Liverpool team. They research it. I mean, unlike a lot of clubs who just buy a player 
based on reputation or sort of panic buying. Liverpool really think it out and they only get the players that they really, really want. So it's a, it's a very difficult one to, for us to, to call in terms of identifying one particular player. I mean, there's, there's some great players playing in the, in the Italian league uh, that we, we've been sort of linked to. And when you look at um, uh, some of the Italian games lately, you think, well, they, they'd be great in a Liverpool team. But... You know they have their ways and they they, they have their their methodology in in how they select who we're gonna you know who's gonna be added. But there will be additions. There's, there's no doubt about that. Who is your dream signing then, Dan? I mean, I I, I tried to tell my son, look, I'm not getting into transfer um, speculation, but there are players. I think when Genie Wijnaldum left, I think that there was an obvious area of midfield that we 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 sort of weakened maybe by not fulfilling that so there's players like Tielemans that, that I like a lot I think could fit that sort of a role I definitely think we need to have some cover for Trent you know I think we've got it with Simicas with Robbo um, but I think that's got to be an area where we need to when you're talking about a bit thin on the ground I think that was showing up when we had to give Trent a little bit of a break so yeah areas like that but other than that, I think we're largely good. We just got to try and eradicate some of these injuries that we've been a bit unlucky with, with Tiago and Kaita. And I think we can sort of do well in that area. Mm. I'd, like, I'd like to see Bellingham come in, I have to yeah, say. I think we've been, he is one who we've been really strongly linked. I think um, if you listen to the press, <laughs> um, the Carvalho thing will happen. Mm -hmm. um, those type of players seem to be the way Liverpool... Are looking at the moment, very athletic, young, strong players. Um, I don't really worry about us, uh, you know, sort of over the next six months or so. I think we will bring the right players in. But now, just now, between now and the end, I think we're, we're just going to be a little bit stretched. Uh, but there's only one or two, you know, one, maybe two, two positions at most that I think we, we, we have, that, that I have any sort of like... Uh, Panic or not so much panic, but concern. So um, I think we're in, given a, given a, a fair wind, as they say. Um, we you know we steer clear of injuries. I think um, you know if we can pick our best team most weeks, I think we're I think we're really going to challenge. I think we're I think we're we're in for silverware. I love that. Um, next game up uh, is Cardiff, and we've already spoken about Cardiff last week. So if you want a pre-match on Cardiff, then uh, check out last week's uh, podcast, please. Um, so let's look ahead uh, to Leicester coming up uh, next week on Thursday. Leicester is at the moment 10th. Um, what do we think? Are we? Uh, and it's a home game, obviously. Well, I don't, I don't believe there's any team in the league that can match us as long as we play to our ability. So, you know, I think we let ourselves down, perhaps, last time out against them. I don't think we showed up in the way we can. So, at home, I'm always confident. Yeah, I never, never show up as Anfield thinking anything but a, a, a win. Mm -hmm. um, I think we did underperform against Leicester. For some reason, we dropped our level. Maybe on the back of the, um, the Carabao Cup mm. uh, win. You know, maybe there was a signs of a little bit of fatigue throughout throughout the group, and again we were we were being stretched. I think um, squad wise, but um, they're they're tricky, and um, I think given um, how how the fixture uh, 
you know arrives next Thursday, I think I think we'll be pretty strong for Leicester. I think they won't be underestimated in any way. It's seen as a as a crucial game. Um, the lads have had a couple of weeks of. Uh, of, of you know refreshing and, and a bit of holiday, a bit of sunshine. Um, oh, I watched Trent in the Maldives. I'm so envious. <laughs> that made me want to be a footballer just for that. Mm, I know. I think. Uh, I think many. Well, I think it must be on many people's bucket list uh, a trip to the Maldives. I've been, and you know what? I have to just dive in and say this because I grew up uh, in a family where we never flew anywhere because I'm from the very top of of, of Europe, up in the Arctic. Uh, in a place called Alta and I didn't even fly before I was 10 uh, and that was just down to the capital and we only went you know on camping trips and ran orienteering which is quite geeky every summer <laughs> so when my mom was turning 50 um, my dad said to my sister who's older than me and she was doing an assignment in geography they're writing about one country and he said whatever country in the whole entire world you choose to write about we'll go and celebrate your mom's birthday there because she wanted, obviously, to escape <laughs> the big 50. And she chose the Maldives. And this is, we're talking in 1990, 1989, 1990. It was, can you imagine, from right. not where, going Very even different. to Spain and then landing in the Maldives. Mm. Nothing's been able to top it. I've been three times around the world, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Because <laughs> I just want to go back to the Maldives. Yeah, anyway. I, I, I fancy the Maldives. The, yeah. Oh. Yeah. It sells itself well. It does sell itself. It looks. And I speak to one of the ex-players who's been a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, it's not an activity holiday unless you're into scuba diving. Um, but it sounds uh, a little piece of heaven. Snorkeling. All oh, right. This well, this player is known for being quite lethargic and laid back. He didn't do anything. So, um, but, Trent went uh, biking. I saw on Instagram. Yeah. No. It's a yeah. It, it's it's a great it's a great thing to have this winter winter break. Uh, uh, obviously, when it was coming about. There was a lot of discussion about saying, oh, you can't break the English football season uh, around Christmas time and New Year because of, uh, you know, the, the traditional fixtures and, and what it means to the, to in the race for the Premier League. So um, the, the way that they found it, a little bit of a, an opportunity to give some players a bit of a break, I think is... Uh, is is a good one. I, I I experienced it when I went played in Switzerland and Belgium. They both had winter season breaks, and um, it's a, it's a good time to um, for for players to recharge a little bit. And um, I think they'll be coming back and chomping at the bit. What type of team Jurgen chooses for Cardiff um, might be a little bit sort of. Um, I don't think we'll be as strong as the side that he'll aim to put out against Leicester, I, I, I would say. I think he'll take advantage of the squad uh, against Cardiff. Um, but the Leicester one, I think, will be a full strength. And then, and, and, and February looks like it's, well, it, it is. It's going to be a huge month, uh, you know, a lot of fixtures in, in, in the month ahead. Oh, yeah, we've got the Champions League coming soon again. And uh, But then after Leicester, we have Burnley away. And Burnley is um, quite strong at the moment because they're carrying the whole league on their shoulders being at the bottom of the table. Uh, they've only won once this season, poor things. Um, now you're too generous there, poor things. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's that's burning your, in Burnley. That's Norwegian in you there, right? Yeah, there. I know, I'm too empathetic. But it's burning in Burnley. Will this be... Because sometimes Liverpool in the, in the past, especially when they have a lot of matches going... These are the kind of games where we can actually drop points because we just take the foot off the pe pedal a little bit. But we know, do you think the team is now so uh, focused on catching City that they won't let Bur Burnley 
sneak away with a point. I think the focus now, as I say, after the opportunity to recharge, so to speak, I think um, will will be an advantage. Uh, and you know the way that the fixtures are going to come up quite quick: Leicester, Burnley, uh, two big games, and and I think. Listen to one or two of the players make some comments about the championship race, um, particularly after the Palace win. They feel now that um, we're in there, we're, breathing, we're kind of, we're almost breathing down City's necks. I think, uh, so I think there's going to be a really concerted effort and I wouldn't anticipate them tripping up over Burnley in particular. Um, speaking to a friend of mine who's a big Burnley fan, um, he feels they're, they're an ageing team uh, they've had their problems this year. Burnley has a place to visit. It doesn't seem as it's intimidating as it, as it has done in the past. I mean, used to hate going to Burnley myself. Uh, just their attitude towards visiting visiting teams. Um, I don't think. I think. I think it's lost a little bit of its intimidation. Turf more, and and the fact that, as I say, the team is aging, and this is what I'm hearing that a couple of the players seem to have been dis. You know. Uh, become disenchanted with, with staying there. It's an old group of players that have been there together far too, you know, too long. Really, eight or nine years. Um, I think it's a it's a it's a good opportunity. And going from what I'm hearing from the Burnley side, their 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 confidence isn't isn't there for them to escape. So I, I I'd be you know I'd be putting money on us to go to Burnley and, and be okay. And I think yeah, I mean I agree. I think losing Chris Wood as well. I think that's a good counter-attacking foil they had up front. And I think we've got a lot more tools to, to pick the lock now. We used to have difficulty breaking down these teams, but I think Jota's physicality up front, our movement, you know, I feel Curtis Jones looking good and physical. You know, <clears throat> we can out-muscle um, the muscling teams now, you know, whereas once we might have been a bit light. I think we're, we, we can play these teams at their own game to some degree. Brilliant. Before we wrap up this uh, podcast, Dan, I am curious about how did you fall in love with Liverpool? You had two options. You had the red and the blue team. <laughs> and we also have to talk about a little bit what's going on with the banter in the city right now about the blues. Oh, my goodness. There are so many, so many things happening. We, we yeah. have, we have uh, boys in the same football team and we have a WhatsApp group. <laughs> um, and there's quite a few parents that are blue. Um, now I'm stepping a little bit ahead, but why did you choose? No, actually, let's talk about the banter first. It's quite hard oh. for the parents being blue in our group right I, now and in the city. I, I, I'm I'm a bit more empathetic for no particular reason, but um, it, it's almost I'm almost starting to feel sorry for the amount of um, bad press going their particular direction. And it, look, I, I've got a few friends who are you know very staunch blues and. It must be quite a tough period to go through in general, but I feel that they make they make their own mistakes. I think they've had the chance to invest, of which they have. They've invested a significant amount of money in the last five years. They've had excellent quality managers. You do wonder if it goes a bit higher in the club. Is there a, a bit, bit more going on that is causing these problems? But... From the memes and the fun that's going around, it's a nice time to be a red, isn't it? <laughs> it is hilarious. <laughs> but it is almost <laughs> too much. 
I'm, 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 I'm feeling a little bit sorry, it's actually. A little guilty sometimes. A little guilty. I, I'm not sending out any of the memes, by the way. I just <laughs> laugh, giggle in <laughs> silence. Well, I, I, I giggle a lot, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not empathetic, I have to say. <laughs> in my lifetime, in my lifetime, there've only, been, enough. there've only been a couple of periods when Evan have been sort of better than us, uh, mm. and, and a few, and that's you know probably <coughs> had a long lifetime now. Uh, so I'm quite happy to see us where we r- rightly. Be, rightfully belong uh, <laughs> above them, and um, but it, it's an interesting period for Everton. I'm, I'm close to a couple of people w- within the sort of Everton organisation. Uh, I did send him a, a funny meme actually the other, the other <laughs> oh, week, which he, did, which, he did, which he did, which he did, which he did laugh at, <laughs> uh, thankfully. But I had to. Yeah, he's probably one Evertonian who I, I can abide. Um, but um, <laughs> no, I, I think. Th- they're embarking on a on a on a rebuild, and it's a, t- a difficult time to be to be going through this rebuild. I think because that sitting where they are in the league, um, there are other things going on around them. I think it's I think it's they're in for a tough team, a tough time. I think when I look at, granted they've made a couple of reasonable signings, but they're going to have to really hit the ground running those signings to uh, to make a massive difference. I think they're in for a I think they're in for a tough sort of end of the season. I would say. I think they're in for a tough end of uh, season. The teams around them are, are all trying to do a little bit of something, with the exception maybe of Burnley. They haven't, you know, they've strength. They brought the centre forward in, but um, no, I think um, there's there are some you sense Evertonians that is when you speak to them that they think are full of hope, and other, others perhaps are still doubtful whether or not it really is the uh, the change that sort of you know is the one that's going to sort of uh, really take them on. So. But their owner has poured in a lot more money. Um, but then, what do you think of the chain, uh, like the the, um, the decision of a manager? Well, this is, that's what I that's what I think. Really, um, I think there are there are some reasons why you you think. Well, okay, Lampard deserves to be a manager. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a real fan, and I, and I just think who is the right fit for Everton. Um, I wouldn't naturally have said it was Frank Lampard, if I'm honest. I think they, they've been pushed into a bit of a corner. And it, it's, it appears to me as if it's a little bit of a, a panic sort of decision. So, um, yeah, I hope they continue to struggle a little bit. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I don't know what, you know, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't have the same confidence as one or two Everton people, you know, Everton fans who I've, I've spoken to over the last week. No. So I then, agree. let's go back to why did you choose the red side and not the blue? Now, obviously, that's a good choice. Oh, it was easy. I mean, we're all reds, both sides of the family, so <clears throat> I could only ever be a Liverpool fan. And I've married into a red family as well. So it's been actually a very easy journey for us. Um, so not one blue, I'm proud to say. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a pure red in that in, in, in on all, all sides we, we we talk about it my wife and i um we, we do think why would you even burden your kids with this because i've spoken to good friends and their their son all blues and and I, I, i've had the phone call oh he wants to all his friends are liverpool fans and you do you do wonder you know, you want to, you want them to travel around, home and away, enjoy European football, and you know it's a hard conversation <laughs> to have. And I'm I'm lucky I'm I'm lucky to have have been on the red side of the family, should we say? You've been breathing red your whole life. 
Um, what's your best Liverpool Football Club memory? I mean, there's many, and it, it, we were talking about this a little bit before. And um, one that I always look back to is 2001, going to Dortmund, European uh, UEFA Cup final. Still lives with me. Um, you know, it's the epitome of, of away days, isn't it? You know, to go to a European venue. You know, we had Liverpool bands playing. German cities are great to visit always. Um, everything was right about that. The atmosphere. Alaves fans were excellent. Uh, the venue is brilliant, isn't it? You know, Dortmund, uh, sorry, Dortmund Stadium. And it, it's just... Um, the opportunity to go. But then at home games, you know, it's still European nights, Juventus at the quarterfinals, Chelsea in the semi, those type of moments that you get the, the spine-tingling moments, you know, and we can go back further, <laughs> you know, to your days when, when you could get the exact same. But they would be my, my memories that I always encounter in my thoughts. How important is Liverpool Football Club for you today? I mean, you're a very busy uh, man and you, you travel a lot with work. Um, how much is Liverpool Football Club coming into to those journeys? You travel all over mm -hmm. the world. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the, it's, the only, it's the only sport I would follow in particular on telly. In fact, more and more nowadays, Liverpool is the only football I watch. I used to watch every match and I, I find myself watching less and less other teams now. I get to go to the game, you know, lucky enough uh, to be able to come along to the games and my children love going. I, so I think, I think for me to be able to, to pass that on to my, my son in particular is, is something, I, you know, I'm very happy to have done. We'll always watch the matches. I've got a, a wife who loves to watch the football as well. So it's easy. It, you know, it's, it, it is my, still my passion, but I do find some somewhat less so um, consuming my life than perhaps when I was in my twenties, perhaps. When you're out traveling and, and, and selling um, your dental implants, do you then use uh, Liverpool Football Club as an icebreaker to connect with people? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's omniscient, isn't it? And Liverpool is everywhere and everyone knows Liverpool when you travel. So my European colleagues, it, w it wouldn't be to go back to Everton. It wouldn't be Everton. It would be Liverpool. They go, ah, oh. And it's an immediate recognition and it's an easy conversation. And very often we're, we're out for nights out. So often there's a Liverpool game that becomes the focus of the night. So makes it a nice social activity as well. So with that in mind, you know, how you can just uh, break the ice all over the world with this beloved club, I will say thank you for uh, this uh, non-existing ice um, a conversation. This has been all warm and lovely as always. So thank you so much, David Fairclough and Dan Story for sharing your thoughts and your stories. And until next week, take care and uh, have a lovely uh, time watching the Reds.